Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events that are going to be moving markets and indeed causing comment. I'm Robert Miller. That means the Bank of England's next interest rate decision and its quarterly inflation report, how UK banks will fare, or perhaps more pertinently, what can savers do to protect themselves. And finally, we have a little bit of retail therapy in the shape of this. We'll find out what that's about later. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor and commentator of The Times, Catherine Griffiths, our banking editor, and Deirdre Hipwell, retail and mergers and acquisitions editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Philip, can I start with you and the Bank of England? Um, it's going to be a busy few days, but before we look at interest rates and possible monetary stimulus, this is what Governor Mark Carney has already promised. To be clear... The Bank of England will not hesitate to take additional measures as required, as markets adjust, and as the UK economy moves forward. Well, that was the Governor, Mark Carney. Philip, let's look at interest rates first. People have been widely, they widely expected it in July. Is August likely to be the time when they will cut rates, first of all? Yeah, it looks almost baked in certainty that they're going to cut interest rates, do something on quantitative easing and probably provide a cheap funding scheme for the banks. So there'll be this package of measures to shore up uh, the economy after Brexit. Um, So rates are likely to be cut to 0.25% from 0.5%, where they've been since March 2009. And it was expected in July, but... uh, the, there was only one person who voted for it. It was uh, the new guy, Jan Vlieger, who voted for the cut. Uh, the rest of them said that they were they were minded to uh, cut, basically, in August, when it looks like they were also talking about a package of measures. So it's been, you know, well telegraphed that something big is coming. Just remind us, is quantitative easing stuck at $350 billion at the moment? 375 $375. Uh, $375. It's been there... Uh, the last move was in tw- late 2012, so we haven't had any monetary policy movement at all since then. Uh, so this will be the first, the first action in, in near four years. During the financial crisis, um, 
was it Hank Paulson was then the US Treasury Secretary coined this phrase uh, perhaps unfortunately bazooka effect so in other words that the, the measures that they were taking were intended not to be half-hearted but full-on do you think what the bank is likely to have in mind is a full-on assault on any possible downside to the UK economy, or will it be a drip-drip effect? Well, the chief economist uh, at the bank, Andy Haldane, has said that he would rather approach this with a sledgehammer than a small little masonry uh, tool. So you 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 have to you have to go strong to show. Well, this is what the experience of the ECB has been. You have to go strong to show markets that you are going to act decisively, and then they kind of swing behind you and and believe in the force of the of the central bank to uh, to 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 provide some cushion against you know, the, the slowdown that is likely to be coming. That which actually they will also be updating their inflation and GDP forecast. So we'll we'll effectively have the explanation for why they're doing this because we'll have the new downgraded uh, GDP outlook as well. I know it's pretty certain everything is going to be downgraded. But it's a strange moment, isn't it? Because none of the banks want the rate cut. Um, I'm not sure that I can think of another time when, when that's been the case. Um, I mean, they're all obviously terribly careful not to kind of cross cross um, Mark Carney, but Chief Executive of Lloyd's and Chief Executive of some of the challengers have all made it pretty clear that they think it's unwarranted and that they much prefer the idea of of government policies to stimulate the economy through, you know, spending. They, they all make the point that borrowing now would be incredibly cheap and um, Antonio Hortosorio, the chief executive of Lloyd's, made this point explicitly actually that that could be used on sort of big infrastructure projects to sort of ad- address the productivity problem in this country. There, there is a big question mark about whether central banks have run out of road and one of the one of the issues there is actually whether cutting rates begins to cause the credit transmission arm which is basically the banking system in the UK. Uh, so that's why banks don't want rate cuts. And that's why in some countries, such as Switzerland and Sweden and Denmark, where they've actually gone as far as negative rates, you, you've actually seen uh, evidence that negative rates and very, very low interest rates uh, are counterproductive. The idea is that you should start spending when rates are very low because you can borrow so cheaply. But when rates get to these levels, uh, people start worrying about you know income on their savings for the future and and they even uh, start saving even more to compensate for that potential lost income as a result of the the rate cuts. And I think that um, people will be looking pretty closely, won't they, next week for for what evidence they're actually basing the the likely rate cut on because, again, the banks are saying, I mean, obviously it's very early days after the Brexit vote, but they're saying no signs yet at all of an impact on the economy and yet they're also all saying, oh, well, you know, but over to the over to the Bank of England, no doubt they have more information at their fingertips. I mean, I think it's a it's a veiled attack. But the bank is going to have to kind of to defend its position, it strikes me, because, of course, it doesn't have to do it next week. It could do it later in the year, just a wait and see approach. I, I thought the Bank of England, Phil, I'm sure I'm wrong, you can tell me was meant to base things I thought its approach now was to base things on on actual evidence being yeah. seen being seen in the numbers Carney keeps on talking about date being data dependent there there has been a little bit of data which is the purchasing managers indices which are sort of the private sector activity indicators uh, and they there was a flash one that suggested for July so the first month post brexit that that suggested the economy should should that pl- should what it it uncovered play out for the following three months, uh, there would be a 0.4% contraction in the economy uh, in the third quarter. So that is influencing thought processes 
in the bank. We're also going to get the that was just an estimate of what the PMIs will say. We're actually going to get the real PMIs themselves on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week ahead of uh, the uh, the the bank's uh, decision. Uh, they are probably going to support what the flash estimate uh, said. When at least they're going to point to you know uh, certainly a period of weakness. And and I think actually a lot of this is to do with sentiment. Is it's. Th- at the moment, there's a lot of uneasiness and confidence itself can have a damaging impact because if people are worried, they don't spend. And if you don't spend, you end up contracting the economy. And uh, so if the bank is doing uh, is doing something, you know, reasonably substantial, then it, you know, it, it can send a, uh, it can reinforce confidence and just and actually be sort of a setting off a virtuous circle. And, and actually, the point about uh, the banks being worried about the rate cuts is that this is why it's likely uh, the package of measures is likely to cu- come with some stimulus program for the banks, so that the cut uh, in rates will not affect their profits because they'll kind of get it back uh, through a cheap funding scheme that the Bank of England will provide. That, that's one of the th- one of the ideas. Catherine, I mean, amidst all this, uh, you've got some some of the, the bank reporting season at the moment. Do you think to some extent that's going to overshadow, it's going to be, their results are going to be overshadowed and you're going to be more seeking their views on, if you like, the new economic paradigm? Uh, yes, I think that's definitely what everyone wants to hear from the from the banks in this reporting season. And what we are hearing so far is, it's a, it is clearly, it's five weeks since the vote. So it's far too soon to really tell. They are being quite cautious about the longer term. And, you know, it's impossible to, to argue with the fact that if interest, interest rates do come down, if they stay long, lower for longer, banks have a very simple problem, which is that they their margin, their profit margin gets squeezed. There's that, which is the overriding theme. Um, in addition, you've got some sort of ongoing kind of angst in this country about whether or not we want an investment bank and that's a big issue for Barclays and then of course you've got Standard Chartered and HSBC which have had lots of problems particularly Standard Chartered but the pressure is slightly off them in a sense because they make lots of money in in dollars so it's sort of different themes this this reporting season but I think everyone really wants to know how the banks see the future. I mean, one of the problems, surely, with, with the interest rates that we've all been talking about is that at 0.25%, there really is, and that's the official base rate for savers. And they, after all, it used to be 10 to 1. It's still, what, 7 to 1, 7 savers for every one borrower in the country. Clearly a, a big issue, isn't it? And dare they introduce negative interest rates for consumers? It's very unlikely. Um, they don't want to rule it out, certainly. And... And in a way, they're just kind of watching to see what their competitors do, because if one moves that way, then others may well follow. Not least because actually, if you don't move that way, and if you happen to be the kind of last big bank standing on the high street not going negative, then you'll have such a sort of deluge of depositors coming to you that you can't manage that level of liquidity. You can't lend it out in a profitable way so that you find yourself getting hurt, sort of a double whammy effect. I think it's pretty much inconceivable that they will start charging, you know, individuals or small businesses for depositing money. But Ed, it's not impossible. I mean, we've already had NatWest, haven't we? Admit that, that they sent out a letter, the story that we did in the paper. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel slightly sorry for Royal Bank of Scotland, NatWest, on that whole issue because I sort of think they were trying to be quite transparent with customers and say, look, this is a possibility, this is a scenario. And I think actually we, we beat banks up enough for being, 
you know, underhanded with the way they treat customers. You know, fair enough that they wrote to customers and and sort of flagged that up. Um, and in a sense, I think their competitors have, have really benefited this week from kind of standing back and saying, oh, well, you know, we, we're really very unlikely to do that. When it comes down to it, the big banks have all got the same problems, which is an enormous fixed cost base in a huge outdated branch network that they would absolutely love to kind of take a massive axe to. And indeed, we've seen Lloyd's cut it, saying they're going to cut another 200 branches. They'd love to cut more branches. They would love to cut more staff. They've got lots and lots of customers who are all kind of going digital. But they are sort of operating with a handbrake on, in a sense, because they do, they do kind of have this role in society the big banks that you know they they cater to so, so many customers it's very political they have to kind of tread a bit carefully so this this issue of lower interest rates will hit all of them and then none of them really have a magic solution so they will all largely in the end do the same thing so rbs said that they would pass on the cost to small businesses but obviously that seems uh unlikely two two of the uh, members of the uh, bank's monetary bank of england's monetary policy committee have actually floated the idea of negative interest rates in a sort of academic intellectualizing way mark carney has made it very clear that he thinks it's a, it's a very bad idea so you'd have thought he would have a reasonable amount of influence in the uh, in the committee room so it does seem extremely unlikely that the uk would uh, would do that but other countries like you know like japan like denmark like sweden like switzerland have gone negative and uh, the ecb has done it for bank deposits but not on the deposits that uh, customers received they've just gone to zero but it actually it all comes back to the point that you know banks are at the end of the road uh, so uh, the really big policy lever is is going to have to be the government you know we've had we've had the nine years of easy monetary policy uh sorry the seven years of easy monetary policy since the financial crisis and now uh, the the baton is basically switching back to governments to try and drive and stimulate growth okay well we're going to take a short break now and when we return we'll be looking at another way to sell a retail brand the time if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Well, welcome back. Before we go partying, however, Deirdre's here to tell us about what we can expect from next. Deirdre. As I've said many times before in these podcasts, everyone is always keen to know what Simon Wolfson has to say about the state of the retail market and obviously about next trading figures. They have their second quarter trading coming up next week. And, you know, retailers this year have just had a really tough time. We've had the introduction of the higher living wage. They they always um, get hit with heavy business rates. We've had pretty rubbish weather for most of the summer and in particular an incredibly wet and damp and cold June, which was then aggravated uh, to a certain extent by the shock Brexit votes. So I think there'll be a lot of uh, focus on on what next, how they've traded through this period, and also just what wider macro thoughts Simon Wilson might have. We've already seen Andy Street from John Lewis saying that although they've hedged their currency impact till roughly the middle of next year, that if the pound were to stay low for a sustained period of time, they would potentially have to increase their costs of the products they're selling to Britons. And for example, John Lewis imports two thirds of their products that they sell, which is largely in dollars. So I think it will be quite interesting to see what Simon Wilson has to say there. And he's famously bearish, but we'll see. It's interesting because the discussion we've just been having, you're listening to between Philip and Catherine there about, at the end of the day, this is all going to trickle down to the high street, isn't it? Impact on consumer confidence, which is key for not just next, but for everyone in the retail sector. Do you see any signs that confidence is falling off, if you like, that that people feel less confident now about just everyday purchase decisions? Um, I think with consumer sentiment, it's always quite hard to say because, you know, a couple of months ago when the retailers were saying, oh, consumer sentiment is on the up, people are feeling more confident, you know, we're, we're starting to see some small but real uh, growth in wage wages, it didn't really seem to, to trickle down to a lot of the retailers. And, you know, we had some retailers saying, well, it's quite hard to explain, but it seems that people are spending their money on leisure spending, going out to the cinema or restaurants or doing big ticket purchases, like buying a car or a down payment on a house. Consumer sentiment doesn't always correlate that in a straight line with retailers, but certainly the retailers who have been putting out Uh, trading statements or results in the few weeks since Brexit have all been talking about the fact that there has been a definite weakening in consumer demand and and I think that could be a problem going forward because I think for many of the issues that we've we've talked about I think people are anxious to know what form Brexit is going to take we keep getting battered with um, stories about how house prices are tanking and that always hits at consumer confidence so 
I think it is a worry for retailers and I think they're having to try and navigate the storm because in addition to worrying about whether or not people are going to buy their products, they're also having to deal with the whole currency impact. Yeah, because of course it could be a double whammy if confidence is hit and then uh, the stores have to put up prices because a lot of the imported goods uh, are suddenly more expensive. And and I spoke to some people who are in the sales teams for the manufacturers from Germany and Italy and stuff and that they are apparently uh, pushing for the UK retailers of white goods for example to raise uh, to pay more because they don't want to because they sell and they manufacture in euros and they don't want to take the 10% hit themselves they want the retailers to pay them in euros which means the retailers will take a 10% hit unless they pass those costs on to the consumer which is inevitably where it will all end up dear oh dear alright well after all that it's finally party time well it was indeed champagne corks in case you hadn't guessed Deirdre this is Tesco's latest idea tell us about it in the, the new frontier that grocers are all fighting for it is to win the consumers hearts for having the best wine selection and Tesco is I think it's from about the 2nd to the 13th of August will be opening a pop-up wine bar called the finest bar and you can go to it you don't have to book it's free you just go there first come first served and you can sample and I think that's the key sample. I don't think you get a full glass of wine, any of their wines from their Tesco finest range, which is about 70 plus wines. And they'll even have their master of wine there, James Davies. And there's only 341 masters of wine in the world. They're like super experts in wine. Is, uh, and this is this is going to be in London Soho, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, do, is it? I mean, it seems like a recipe. I mean, you say first come, first serve. I. Uh, Frankly, I can see people queuing up around the block and just taking loads of samples. I mean, free food. That's true. I don't quite know how they plan to do it if if you're going to get a ticket and then you only get, you know, one glass to sample. So I don't know. But one presumes that they'll have some sort of strategy in place. I mean, pop-up food and drink bars are quite a tried and tested model and Aldi has done something similar. So one assumes that... Is this something others are going to go in, or do you think they'll be watching those? It's a bit like interest rates, isn't it? You, you sort of see how this pans out. Yeah, well, I think all the retailers, they're all just trying to find different ways to attract footfall to their shops, to try and you know convince shoppers that they've got the best value, but also the best quality products. And there is a huge fight going on in you know beer, wine and spirits, as it's known, BWS in the sector. And you've got Aldi and Little who've made huge inroads into the wine market. I mean, before, you know, maybe even two, three years ago, people wouldn't have dreamed of buying wine from either of those discounters. And now they have, I think Little has nearly 5% of the wine market in the UK. Part of that is about making sure that key sectors or key categories, which is often fresh produce and alcohol, that they are um, trying to convince shoppers that if you're going to buy your carton of eggs or your bottle of wine, you should be coming to Tesco as opposed to anything else. I think it's all about just raising a buzz about the retail. I mean, Tesco's trying all sorts of things. They've, you know, they've got their range of adverts and they're also going to be trialling something this week to do with handing out fruit to children. That's a recipe of a disaster straight away, Catherine. Actually, it just occurs to me what a fantastic brand that finest brand is, actually, isn't it? I mean, in this context with these pop, this pop-up wine bar thing, to be able to call it finest is is really great. And I, I don't know, I suppose I wonder whether 
whether they'll roll it out or, or you know, will they be serving the finest food with it or do you know? I don't know. I would have thought they would have have to have given you at least a little bit of nibbles. You know, I don't know what the alcohol licensing laws are, but presumably you're going to have to eat something with it. But, but indeed, I mean, I think a lot of the retailers are trying to promote some of their, um, you know, their own brands like Tesco Finest and they're all just trying to create a story as to what makes them unique and why you should be shopping there. So Sainsbury's is all about quality at everyday low prices. Morrison's always tries to promote the fact that it it makes and most of the products that or many of the products that it sells. So what you're buying in store is fresh, fresh, fresh. And I think Tesco, which in the past few years took a real hit for both quality and pricing I think is trying to make some headway and I think it is making some headway. Well thank you all very much and we should say remember drink responsibly. That's about it for this week but remember you can keep up to date with all the events and uh, of course that pop-up event at Tesco's well worth a visit uh, and keep up to date with the breaking news and analysis online via your tablet or mobile of course and in the paper. If you are a Times subscriber we have the uh, special £1 offer just go to thetimes.co.uk and if you haven't already do take the opportunity to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails if you want to hear us weekly you can do so just subscribe through iTunes my thanks there to Catherine Griffiths to Deirdre Hipwell and to Philip Aldrich who's going to be very busy he'll be blogging about everything that's from the bank don't forget they're all on Twitter so please if you're not already follow them we'll be back next week thanks for listening 